welcome to the Student Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Rutherford from Learn, Grow, Become, where we work with universities and higher education providers to empower mature age and part-time students to gain the mindset, the strategies, and the confidence to succeed in their studies. Welcome to today's episode of the Student Experience Podcast. Today joining me is Professor Sarah O'Shea. Uh, now Sarah has had over 20 years experience focusing on improving access and participation for students from specific equity groups. In particular, her research explores how these students transition into higher education, how they manage their competing identities, negotiate aspirations for their self and others, and ultimately to succeed in their studies. Internationally, Sarah is a Principal Fellow for the Higher Education Academy in the UK. She's received a Churchill Fellowship focusing on first-in-family student support in 2017 and is also a Research Fellow at the National Centre for Student Equity in Higher Education and Professor, or, and has been just finishing up Professor of Adult Vocation and Higher Education at the University of Wollongong. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Tanya. Thanks for inviting me to do this. No worries. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I guess one of the things I really love the most about your work is that you really take a student-centric approach. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so most of the work that I do, uh, my research work, is um, within a narrative biographical approach. So what I, I, I basically do, which sounds really simple, uh, is I talk, talk to students and uh, encourage them to really deeply reflect upon their university experiences. And, and I know that probably sounds a bit, a bit easy, you know, like I'm a researcher and I work in university and I research university students. But actually, when you analyze that data, you have to be very careful because I have to adopt a very critical lens and really think not as a university person, but almost, you know, to try and step out of that role and really look at what the students are saying. So, look, as I said earlier, you know, the students are so generous with their stories and some of these stories are just phenomenal. The uh, obstacles that people have overcome to get to university and um, and then to actually get through university is, is um, really quite inspiring and so I just find stories fascinating always have uh, and, and really enjoy that work. Yeah, it, it always amazes me we sort of we generalize so much when we talk about student experience and we kind of forget that these are so many different individuals and that student experience is different for everyone and how we can bring about something that is supportive for such a diverse range of people and a diverse range of needs is really quite complex. Yeah, look, it really is a complex situation, but um, for anyone who's familiar with my work, I tend to think that there's a simple way that we can cut through this. And I think it's simply around celebration, you know? So once we begin to recognize that our student populations are so diverse and that even to step through the door of the lecture theatre or over the threshold of a university is in itself a huge uh, undertaking for many students and they have uh, gone through an awful lot to, um, to, to, to get here. So 
I just feel that as universities, and I'm generalizing, I'm not talking about my own university, I'm talking about the sector in general, we could do a lot more work around celebrating uh, that. And, um, and that really is the focus of my work, which is really around strengths-based thinking, about thinking about what learners bring with them to university, what, what can we build upon as a sector, what can we value that they already have, instead of sort of treating them a little bit like, okay, you're, you're a little bit deficit in things and we're going to fill you up with this knowledge. I think we need to think more broadly about the knowledges that students arrive with. And I guess even more so now that we've got so many mature age students coming in that have lived experience, which we may not have had historically. Absolutely, like 39% of our student population are mature age. And of course, mature age is defined as those over 25. So, I mean, really, if you asked a 25 year old, I don't think I wouldn't have regarded myself as mature age at 25. <laughs> but um, you're right, they're coming. Some of them have already had uh, careers elsewhere. They may have gone into different uh, professional roles. They may have, you know, so they're coming with a wealth, a wealth of experience that uh, they, they may not value, but we need to um, work much more um, productively with them so that they recognize what strengths they already have and we can build upon those. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you were with the um, University in Newcastle, and I realized that was a couple of years ago now, you were overseeing the Transition and Retention Support Unit. Oh, sorry, tra yeah, Transition and Retention Unit. Can you share some of your experiences uh, with creating a positive and supportive student experience, particularly for those low socioeconomic um, student cohorts? Yeah, look, um, that was a long time ago now. Uh, <laughs> I, it's funny, time, as you get older, time goes so much quicker. Um, yeah, so the Transition and Retention Unit was set up at Newcastle, actually, by uh, Dr. Kathy Stone, who was working there. And it was quite innovative at the time. I know they're fairly common now, but at the time, I think it was one of the first units um, across the sector. And I, I became, I was... Uh, directing director manager i can't remember what my my title was um newcastle had a very and continues to have a very high proportion of students from low socioeconomic backgrounds so what i i basically did was i um worked a lot with students and so this again was before um the idea of students as partners was very uh, prevalent in the sector so um an example of something i did was i uh, developed and designed with students a transition program so the students actually designed it they ran it um, and it was so it was absolutely grounded in in real student experience and working with students as partners is actually something that I've I've continued to do throughout my career so when I came to Wollongong I did similar programs both uh, with the um, across different faculties and also with Wollongong, which is our indigenous center here at, at Wollongong. Again, all programs designed, developed and implemented uh, with students, completely students in charge, if you know what I mean. So um, I, I think that's a, a really important thing because I don't think there's anyone better than know, that knows how what the issues are when you're coming into university than the students themselves. So giving them the power, if you like, to, to do that. Um, and I ran research on the back of those and both the participants and the students who were involved in um, creating those programs 
really talked about how it, it, it both parties, you know, it really helped them to process um, both entering into university, what that was like, but also as more advanced students in their degrees to really reflect upon what, what it was that had helped them. And uh, I think both, both parties really valued that experience. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. And I know for me, yeah. I, it's something I'd like to look a bit more into, um, particularly with student mentoring and things like that. And in fact, speaking about student mentoring, I know recently you've been doing some work with the Australian Indigenous Mentoring Experience, uh, which has led to some innovations in virtual mentoring, um, particularly for remote communities. And knowing that how many of our higher education students are now studying distance, whether that's remote or or locally, but not accessing um, campuses. What kind of lessons or insights could you share about that virtual environment? Yeah, look, um, the work I did with AIM with colleagues, um, Professor Valerie Harwood and Professor Paul Chandler, uh, that was a that was an amazing project. Uh, we worked with um, the mentors and also with the young people involved in AIM. And as part of that project, yes, we did, we trialed some virtual mentoring where we actually had a platform uh, where um, young people out in a very remote community were able to come into a virtual environment and meet AIM mentors and talk okay. about university. And um, it, it was really, uh, it, was a, it was a great project. Um, I, I, and I think, you know, there is space for that. I mean, unfortunately, the technology and the, the distance uh, involved with the uh, underpinning need for high speed internet and things like that uh, was an issue. But what I do want to say is that um, the, the, the recent um, introduction of the regional study hubs uh, to me is a terrific innovation. And I was lucky enough to go out to Kuma to one of the regional study hubs out there for a symposium uh, on best practice in regional study hubs. So these study hubs are actually owned by the community for people who may not be aware of them. Uh, they're funded by the federal government and state governments as well. And what they do is they actually uh, create a space, a building, and they have all the infrastructure in there. They often run, um, university uh, tutorials from there as well. Different universities can use the space. They have computers, they have study labs. Um, and at this symposium, there was a number of regional study hubs that were in very remote locations in Australia, uh, run by the local communities. And, um, and to me, this, was, this is really, this is great work. I mean, um, for a start, it, it was grounded in in the community so if that was an aboriginal mm. torres strait islander community then they they were embedding their own knowledges and also their own ways of teaching with their young people so so important um, and also um it was right there you know so whether it was kuma or whether it was you know western australia um it's right there and it's a safe space so anyone can come and and work in these um, spaces, they can talk to other people. And so in a way it breaks down that tyranny of distance where you've still got that connection with other people, but also you're, uh, you're studying in your, towards your university degree or um, actually engaging in your degree. So a great innovation, I think. And I think again, it comes back to what you were talking about earlier about that ownership. So when they own it, it just gives it a whole new level Yes, I mean, I, I met 
um, lots of staff involved in these centres. And of course, there people who get involved in projects like this are always passionate. Uh, and um, I just hope that that the government can continue to fund them because it really is a, uh, I think it's going to make a, a big difference to distance learners and people in rural and remote areas. Yeah, no, it just sounds really great. Uh, well, that's all the questions that I had. Were there other things that you would like to share, Sarah? Look, um, I, I suppose I, I just really wanted to thank you for doing this. We, we talked before how you were sort of targeting this at, like, to, to people who maybe are so busy um, and that they can just uh, pick up on little podcasts or listen to things. And I, I think this is really, really great because we're all so busy. We don't have time to sit down and do readings and, you know. Um, yeah, so well, thank you for doing this, Tanya. I think it's a wonderful uh, initiative. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I have to say, it is so much fun having the opportunity to talk to all these people as well and learning what they do because I also love stories and I also love just having a chat and, and this is a great way that I can do it and have fun with a greater purpose. So it's been really good. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, that's, then that's really it for today's podcast um, and good luck for new role at, at Curtin. Did you want to tell us what you're going to be doing there? Yeah, okay, I will, yeah. I'll be, <laughs> uh, I'll be the new director of the National Centre for Student Equity in Higher Education. So, wow. um, yeah, a, a great role, great opportunity um, provided both by Curtin and also obviously the centre is funded by the Australian government. So, um, and of course, big, big shoes to fill with uh, Professor Sue Trinidad, who's stepping down from the role and retiring. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it and um, engaging with the sector as a whole. Yeah, that sounds so exciting. And I know you're already involved in the centre, so it'll be taking it to a new level for you too. So that's really great. Yeah. No, thank you, Tanya. Thank you. And that's the end of this episode of the Student Experience Podcast. I hope you can join us next week for another great interview.